Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 239. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. Hey, by the time you're hearing this, it's going to be 2022. I'm technically still a 2021 baby. I'm stuck back here. It's, it's New Year's Eve, so it'll be 2021, honestly, by the, before I even finished editing this podcast. So, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit until I'm there. But uh, yeah, Happy New Year's to you. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be the new year for me, too. Um, I will say I, I just am realizing looking at my podcast notes here, I did not pull a Patreon question or quote Patreon question because, uh, you know, it's not really like I have a real Patreon set of questions right now. So it is just those fake ones. Um, but I have enough to talk about this week that uh, I am, I'm just going to go ahead and skip over and we're not going to worry about it. Right. I could go pull it up real quick, but I'm lazy and we got more important things to talk about, like Buddy Mission Bond. Hey, I did it. I played. Well, I partially did it i i was gonna i said i was gonna try to beat buddy mission bond unfortunately i did not i only got about another like 15 or 16 hours into it which honestly for me is a good chunk of time um so i went from about like i think i think i already have about 16 hours in the game so i'm at around like 31 32 hours into it and if you don't know what buddy mission bond is because i've been spreading this conversation out across the year this is a nintendo published uh, detective game for the nintendo switch although koei tecmo worked on it and it is basically following these like four, uh, I guess you could say, they're not all detectives. One's like a police officer. The other one's like this uh, thief. Um, the other one is a uh, a kind of washed up ninja. And the last one is, I don't know how you describe it. He's, he's kind of like a manipulator. He, he hypnotizes people and makes them do evil things typically. Although the, the, how evil that is can be debatable at times. Um, and it's basically a, a very like DS era uh, kind of visual novel game. It's not as like involving as like a hotel desk where you're like walking around an environment and choosing where you're going and getting clues and things like that. It is very linear in terms of like you're going to read a chapter of a story and you're going to go from one text box that's going to shuffle you from one scene to another essentially. Um, but it has these kind of like inner interstitial sections where um, you have to do some uh, detective work where you're basically walking from uh, uh, location to location on like a map. So very like Mario World looking map where you go from dot to dot. And you choose which people to bring with you. You always have to bring only two people with you. And then depending on who's with you, they can either get information out of a situation or they could not. Um, and then there's actually also like infiltration scenes where you have to break into buildings. And those are in like full 3D. You're moving around. And they're they're very simple overall. But um, but this is like a nice touch that you have like a part of the game you can control. And there's like kind of a feeling of space while you go and, and navigate around. So just kind of a reminder of what that game is. Um, but it's very flashy in a lot of its graphics and things like that. And it's a very hefty game. I've heard it's like 40 to 60 hours long or 40, 50 hours long, but I'm starting to think it might be close to 60 for me. Cause I was looking at this like bonus chapters. Cause each, e after each chapter, you get like a ranking depending on how well you answered questions. Did you choose the right people to come with you for certain sections? Things like that. And, um, I am still missing like half of them despite being like 30 hours into the game. So maybe at the end of the game, they dump a bunch of them on you. I will say those special chapters, while they are more broken up than the main chapters, how they're divvied out to you is usually in chunks because it's after you get like an S rank on a mission, you get like a like I'd say six of them or, or sometimes more. And it can take almost as long as it's like a normal chapter to get through them at times. So it, it's it's pretty hefty. Um, 
the whole game is just really, really text dense. And if you don't know, this game was never localized. It came out in February and Nintendo of America has not said anything about releasing it. I'm not going to say they won't do it yet because it hasn't even been a year, but I don't know. It seems it's very, a t- very text dense game. And, and I imagine the audience is somewhat limited. It does definitely have a feel of like, Hey, you know, you have these boys and they're interacting with each other. And so, you know, almost naturally the fan base around it's going to start pairing these men together. And when I, when I look at the fan base in Buddy Mission Bond, that is very much what they're doing. Like these guys who are all, you know, not necessarily in relationships with each other, but the fans will make that happen kind of thing, which I'm okay with that. Like, I think that's kind of fun. And there's definitely a lot of stuff happening in the story that leans into that in a way. Um, although like, I think for the most part, at least like, uh, Luke and, uh, Mokuma, they are very, uh, uh well, Luke's c- case is weird because he has like an ongoing relationship with this one lady through the game that's kind of romantic, but not kind of, not entirely so far at least. And then you have, um, Mokuma, who's very much like a old man womanizer who, who likes to hit on ladies kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so, so I, I've been playing that and it's still fun. It's still great. I, I love all the cutscenes in that game. There's definitely some very, um, I hate saying like anime stuff because it's not a great dis- description of it. Some over the top stuff. Like at one point there's like a roller coaster filled with bombs and like a dude basically stops it by punching it and exploding and sacrificing himself. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's some fun stuff like that. Um, and, and, but it's like really good overall. The voice acting is really strong and, and everything, but yeah, it's, it's one of those games I don't really see getting localized just because I think that the audience is just too narrow for Nintendo to, to consider it, but who can say they did localize that like Famicom detective club or whatever. Um, but I don't know how well that did honestly. And I wonder if that would is like considered to be a test bed to some degree of like how much is our audience really interested in that kind of like point and click adventure style game um to me it definitely feels more like a ds era kind of game though in terms of that like detective kind of game that came out on there and you do see nintendo like dipping their toes back into that kind of like Wii ds uh space a little bit but you're not really seeing like the style savvies coming out or the hotel dusks coming out some games that were you know somewhat successful on that platform you just don't see nintendo doing a lot of that stuff um and so it'd be nice if it got localized but i don't know if it will um, anyways, it's, it's hard to say if there's anything new for me to say about it other than I still just really enjoy it. It's still really good. Um, it's one of those games where thankfully, like it's, it's pretty straightforward. So if you are playing it without knowing Japanese, like I, I do, or like I am, um, it is really easy to get through. Like, like I basically, you know, I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing it, but I throw my phone on this little like mount I have that I use and put up the translation software and like, you're not getting complete sentences, but you're getting like individual words and stuff. And you can like use everything you get from like the people speaking, the action happening on screen, the words that appear in front of you. And it's just like, I can figure out what's going on. Like I, I, I'm pretty dang like certain of where the story's going. Is there confusion at times? Sure. There is. Um, and there's also some weird translation stuff. Like, like, I think it's like, uh, I think one of the Japanese words for like delicious is like umai or umami or something like that. I don't know. But like w- Luke always like whenever he eats food, he always goes like, Uma, and then he like, does like a, uh, like a pause. And then he says, umai afterwards kind of thing. Like, I, 
I don't know how to describe it, but you know, it's like when you start saying a word, you stop yourself and then stutter for a second and then say the full thing. But then like Uma means like a horse in Japanese. So, so frequently Luke will say when he eats something horse dot, 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 delicious kind of thing. And so like, obviously it's not, he's not saying horse delicious, but because of that, only the first part of a word being conveyed uh, and the first part being literally the word horse, um, it, it, it just happens that way sometimes. So there's definitely things you have to worry about with that stuff but it's usually the smaller stuff when it comes to like the main story you know the, the language they're using is direct enough um that it, it kind of gets the point across it's interesting that some games like work better with uh machine translation than others and it's more than just like hey the text is clear in a way that the translation tool can read it because there's like a solid background sometimes i think a lot of it comes down to just the complexity of the language i don't get the impression that you know buddy mission bond has a lot of complex dialogue in it um, it is a lot of very straightforward stuff, I think. But at the same time, you also end up in situations with like Happy Dance Collection, which is very much a game made for like children, right? And in that case, I think because the dialogue is so vague in what it's describing, like it just comes across as like nothing in a lot of ways. So I think there's like a happy medium between, you know, having dialogue that is, you know, specific enough that it can pull out keywords that can kind of give you an idea of what's happening. And then, you know, going too far where, where it's just like, it's complete nonsense due to the dialogue's complexity kind of thing. So anyways, still really enjoying that. Still loving that. Am I going to be able to finish it anytime soon? I hope so. It's just so long. It is just like, anytime you play that game is just a commitment of like four hours. Um, so it just takes a long time. I, I don't know if that's just me or what. I don't feel like the Japanese text is like keeping me from like moving at a quick pace. Like I'm pretty much pressing the button as soon as the translation pops up on screen. I read what's in there, then move on, right? Like maybe like a couple a second slower than somebody just reading it natively, but nothing like bad. Um, I do do a bit of safe scumming though, because there are those bonus chapters you get for getting the high ranks. Um, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense for you to do a lot of save files and basically roll back if you need to. But as soon as you make a decision in that game, you know whether you've screwed up or not so it's like really easy to go back like two seconds to the last decision you make and most of the most of the choices you can save during them as well not all of them actually but most of them you can so so it's something that i i'm <laughs> i think the game is just really really long and dense is the thing um so i don't know i am hopeful that someday i'll be able to do some kind of video on that but i'm not really great with like very story heavy games i'm somebody who likes talking about mechanics and game structure and things like that or or sometimes it is sometimes it's just like a literal feel of a world of a game and there are parts of that i can do in buddy mission bond but because it's so dialogue intensive with like character interactions happening i i worry that i don't have the skill set to really like describe it super well but we'll see maybe maybe not we'll we'll see I'll, I'll i'll just have to beat it first and foremost i don't really have in my mind like sometimes when i'm playing a game in my mind i can start putting together what a video would be for it in the case of buddy mission bond i have not really been able to do that yet so and i don't get the impression it's gonna like change all that much it's just gonna be how comfortable i feel about actually talking about it and yeah i don't know i'm kind of on the fence i really wish nintendo of america would localize it though that'd be nice um so I would buy it again for sure. <laughs> um, and then I also played some Cheer We Go this week. Not a lot, maybe like an hour, but it is like a three to four hour long game. So, you know, I probably got a chunk of the way into it. If you don't know what Cheer We Go is, it is a rhythm game on the DS, similar to like a Princess Debut or Imagine Figure Skater kind of thing. Uh, Elite B Agents for non-games for girls stuff. 
So you have like things you touch on the touch screen during the rhythm sections to play out to a song. Um, but the, what's interesting about this game to, to me at least is that it is a, uh, the game that came out before Gabriella's ghostly groove, um, from that developer, Santa entertainment. So playing this game is, it's kind of interesting to see because a lot of the assets from cheer we go or, or a, a chunk of them from cheer we go, like some of the music sound effects, graphics, things like that. Uh, almost get pulled directly over to Gabriella's Ghostly Groove. So it's interesting to see what they reused. And aesthetically, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and I personally prefer the world of a game like Gabriella's Ghostly Groove. As you could probably expect, Cheer We Go is a game about cheerleading. Um, but I'm finding that, at least so far, I think I prefer Cheer We Go as a game. Um, and I think the reason why is pacing. I feel like Cheer We Go, or uh, Gabriella's Ghostly Groove, is a game that feels overly slow in both its dialogue and like the progression of the story and it's a game that feels more i guess adolescent would be the right word it feels like a game that's made for small children and and i, I don't mind that per se like i i i like frankie um i like like the story behind frankie and stuff and like these characters have very simple plot points behind them where cheer we go feels like a game for a little bit of an older audience and when i say older i'm talking about like i don't know 10 year old girl audience so barely right um but it feels like a game that had like it it, it 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 has expectations out of you as a player with the ability to follow a story and so it feels like the game moves a lot faster and really all the story is it's pretty simple you're basically a, a girl who comes back after being moved away from a, a town for about three or four years and um you get to the school and you find that like the entire town is basically like uh, on a down slump, like the economy is down, the 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 school morale is down, the sports team morale is down. So being a cheerleader, you cheer them on. So, you know, everything you go do um, and all the problems you solve is done through mostly cheerleading. <laughs> um, so it is a game about cheerleading, but it is like a fun little, you get these like fun little character episodes where like, um, say, for example, there's like a karate match thing that happens and, um, you know, there's basically uh, a guy who is like the the winning champion. But every single time he wins is because his opponent forfeits. And it turns out that he's like basically um, like I don't know what the right word would be basically just lying about like certain things happening. So like he tries to tell the guy that his like mom's in the hospital or rather he tries to get him information that suggests his mom is in the hospital. So he'll leave the tournament and he has to forfeit kind of thing. But like the whole story of it at the end is like, you just need to be confident in your own skills. And like at the end of the day, he puts up a good fight during the karate match or whatever it is. But you know, he was too scared that to rely on his own skills to succeed right and so he had to had to basically cause all these people to, to forfeit so he was like basically playing dirty so it's a lot of those kind of stories right nothing particularly fancy but the dialogue is entertaining i think is kind of the big thing with those games like if you're okay with those kind of like children's games like i don't know i think it's usually just kind of humorous dialogue and certain characters kind of standing out and how they how they communicate and things like that and, and what the character interactions are you know again very kid-friendly stuff, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's a little slow in terms of some of the menu-driven uh, aspects of the game, but overall, it is. it seems like a game that, that moves faster than Gabriella's Ghostly Groove, at least, which pains me a little bit because I do like Gabriella's Ghostly Groove a lot, um, but honestly, not so much for game reasons.
reasons that I like Gabriella's Ghostly Groove. I think I mostly like the world of Gabriella rather than the game itself. So Cheery Go feels like the better game, unfortunately. But yeah, get into news this week. Um, so we have what was originally going to be like a miracle news week uh, is now suddenly also a very sad news week as well um so so konami announced quite a few things over the last time that we talked about news stuff this actually was uh, announced before um last week's uh, podcast but uh bomberman Gr- bomber girl finally launched on pc they finally did it apparently it's based off like a older version of the game so it's not up to date with the current arcade version so i think everyone on pc is just playing against other pc players basically um i have not tried it myself yet but i i I looked at the website a bit and it looks like you have to register like some kind of konami account so i got to look into see you know does that have any requirements for me to live in japan or have a fake address that i can put in for japan things like that so i need to sit down and kind of figure that out and then obviously um it's 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 like it's basically an arcade model where you have to basically pay per play for all intents and purposes you pay in bulk but you have to pay money to play the game basically um and so uh we'll see how i don't know how hard that would be but i I will probably at least try to play bomber girl on pc at some point i get a good feeling it's probably going to be like on a vpn or require me to have a vpn and at this point right now honestly i'm not desperate enough to play bomber girl that i'd get a vpn probably but we'll see but i'm glad it finally happened i i probably should look up let me see if i can look up real quick like the the first time we mentioned bomber girl on this podcast in that pc port because i honestly was like this is never going to happen with how long it took this says January 2021, but I I feel like that's wrong. It feels like it's been a lot longer. Maybe it's just been a long year, but I feel like Bomber Girl has been something that we've been talking about like way longer than just a year. So anyways, well, maybe I'll need to look into it later, but it feels like it's been forever. Either way, Bomber Girl is here. Bomber Girl is there, ready for you. If you know how to access those, uh, or if you have a Konami, Japanese Konami account, I forget what it's called, you know, go, go at it. Go at it, buddy. Go de- defeat the Bomber Girls. I played Bomber Girl in the arcade in Japan. I thought it was pretty fun, actually. It's like a weird Bomberman. I don't know if you call it a MOBA or what. There's like towers on the other side. You go and bomb the towers, things like that. So anyways, very exciting news. Um, unfortunately, uh, right after I put out the podcast last week, I think, um, there unfortunately was bad news from Konami and on the other side where they're shutting down Oreka Battle, which, if you don't know, is a, uh arcade card battling game um, that uses the same hardware as a Tokadol. Um, and it was it was probably one of the first, like, really games I really looked into, that like, Japanese arcade games that I really, like, paid a lot of attention to. I watched their, um, like, YouTube show that they had pretty consistently, and I don't know why, honestly. The game never really looked like super appealing to me because it has like random elements in battle where you have to like play a slot machine to get different attacks and stuff and i did play it when i was in japan i just did not love it um but where what that led into was me finding about about tokadol because a tokadol is not only the same developer most likely but also it uses the exact same arcade hardware basically in terms of the internals um so it uses the same setup control layout printer printer rolls all that stuff so when i saw oreka battles getting shut down i was like oh no is the tokadol getting shut down and sure enough it is so tokadol will be going offline as well um they didn't have a, a tokadol twitter feed they did have an oreka battle twitter feed so they posted oreka battle on twitter but a tokadol they just put it on their website 
Um, and unfortunately, it was hard to translate the website because the all the text on the Tokadol website is like an image rather than um, or rather it's not like copy pasteable, right? Um, so so you can't just like dump it in an auto translator and, and translate it. So, but they are uh, essentially shutting it down uh, starting March thirty first. Uh, obviously with a lot of these arcade games, they have like an offline mode if there's no server where essentially you can still connect in and do certain things. Um, usually play very, a very limited set of features on a game. It's more or less just like a, oops, the servers are down. Sorry. You know, here's some way you can, you know, spend money and still get a taste of this game. It's not usually really intended as like a long-term solution for, um, playing a game kind of thing, the offline part of it. So uh, for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, um, you know, Togedol is basically dead in that regard, which is unfortunate. It's sad. I'm, I, I, I'm so glad that I did play it in Japan because with all the travel restrictions from COVID and everything, like there would have been no other point that I would probably realistically be able to go back and, and, and play it. Right. Unless I wanted to sit in quarantine for like two weeks and, you know, that would be a nightmare <laughs> on its own. Um, so I'm, I'm really thankful I was able to make it to Japan. I almost didn't go to Japan actually, because, um, my, uh, if you didn't know uh, right before that, I had to get my, uh, tooth removed or whatever. And it was literally like the night before I went to Japan. So like fresh that morning, I had, you know, uh, my tooth removed and everything. And I was hopping on a plane at like 6 a.m. <laughs> so it was, it was rough. But, you know, I did it all for a Tokadol. We're all here and ready to go. It is very sad, though. Like, I, I didn't realize just like how much I missed a Tokadol until I like really sat down and started thinking about it. And, um... Uh, also, like the the Japanese Atokadol community were definitely posting about it and everything, and I was really really disappointed to see it go. They are doing a couple of like special promotions for the end, which includes like uh, there are, so there's like rival card seasons where you can pull like these special rival cards out from the system, which is something I didn't really talk about in the video because unfortunately I didn't really get time to mess with it while I was in Japan. Um, but you can basically get certain like named characters from Atokadols as cards you can pull and then you can use them to fight. And so you don't have to go through the whole leveling system, everything. It basically just you put the character in and you can fight using that character. So it's like a special battle mode kind of thing. Um, so they had like different seasons that those cards were released in. So they're basically sorting through those seasons again and one last time so people can go and get all the rival cards they want for that. And then they also uh, I think there's some kind of glitter card thing going on. I think basically that they are giving you the ability to um, get like holographic cards easier um, than usual. I think you have to pay like 100 yen beforehand. So it might be that it's like a free upgrade to glitter cards or something like that. Again, the website's text is hard to translate. So I don't know if that's actually the case, but it's something to do with the holographic cards in that regard. However, I was looking at a lot of um, Japanese uh, Tokadol fans' Twitters, and it looks like what's happening is, is that these machines are they're not making the printer rolls anymore. And so some of these arcade, uh, arcade, uh, companies are not ordering the printer rolls anymore so they're running out of printer rolls during this promotional period that's happening or already running out and so people can't actually utilize these functions which kind of sucks but you know that's how it is the game is is dying off i'm glad they at least did it but yeah if, if the arcade uh you know providers just like well why order these still if this game is shutting down kind of thing then then yeah i don't know so um, as far as I'm aware, those Konami printer rolls are specific to it. Actually, I'm kind of curious. I think the Konami machines, they're like Konami card printing machines. But in thinking about it, I think they're like different type of cards. I think they're like paper cards where this is like a almost like a plastic roll 
that gets cut off. I think these ro- these roles specifically are for these Eureka and um, Tokadol machines. So I don't think they use them for anything else. So I don't think they're printing or creating those roles for any other um, um, game at the moment at Konami. So apparently there are a couple of Tokadol machines here in the U.S., I've been told. Um, but they are in private collections, I believe. And also the roles are apparently incredibly difficult to get or were incredibly difficult to get already. So I'm sure it'll only get harder as time goes on. So anyways, rest in peace, Atokadol. I'm glad that I've got the chance to play you. I, I uploaded. So there's a couple things. Um, I used it as an opportunity because I want to make an update video because in the Atokadol review I did, I mentioned, hey, this game's probably going to shut down at some point because, like, it had been already... By the time I talked about the Tokadol, it had already been three years since the game got an update. So I was like, this game is probably on the path to death, basically. Um, and uh, so I wanted to make a update video for that. So I decided to test uh, YouTube Shorts. And the reason why I also wanted to test YouTube Shorts was because YouTube Shorts do vertical video. So in the same way, like, TikTok does, right? So I assume that, uh, you know, they are trying to compete in that space and and in terms of how youtube shorts work that seems to be the flow they're looking to do whether youtube's going to be successful in that is a whole other thing but that's what they seem like they're trying to do but um a toka doll is a vertical playing arcade machine it uses, it uses a 1920 by 1080 monitor that it rotates on the side and you can play it vertically so i was like this actually would fit nearly perfectly the only problem was i did use a little bit of sullivan program um um gameplay at the end which is a a home console game so it runs in a standard 16 by 9 frame um but you know for the most part i could just basically plug that video in directly and have a full 1920 by 1080 resolution that would just appear on your phone for that video kind of thing so i wanted to test that out play around with it a little bit see what youtube shorts were like to make how to export out those videos you know see how that would work so that was a fun exercise. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be doing more of those in the future, but I wanted to try it. Um, and so I also made that video and then attached that to the previous video. So it would pop up when, when you get to that part of the video and say, hey, this game shut down, unfortunately. So I think I've gone on long enough about a toke at all. But um, Solomon Program, I, like the one thing I can say is that I, I, it didn't make me think about Solomon Program again. If you don't know, Solomon Program seems to be made by the same developer as Oreka Battle and uh, Atokadol. And that's a Switch game that I played the beta for. And I really like the beta, honestly. I spent a, lo- a lot of time in beta 1 and beta 2 playing that game. But when the final game came out, I ended up not liking it as much, mainly because the game itself, um, it was paced in a way that was more like what it expect for like a free to play game with like a very grindy nature to it with like pay mechanics and things like that, which I'm not surprised it turned out the way it did because, because of that aspect of the game. Um, but it was something that when it launched, it had less content than the beta versions and it felt like it moved slower too. But since then it's been, I don't know how long it feels like, I think about maybe about a year. So it would be nice to go ahead and check back in on that. Maybe at some point, um, give them some more money, give that developer more money. <laughs> so I think I gave them like 20 bucks initially and I just pulled. That was like the only time I've ever like bought like actual currency for a free to play game um, before I stopped playing it. Because what always happens to me with free to play games is I play the game as long as I'm going to play it. And then once I'm at the end of that point, I'm like, this is the value I know this game is, is going to be for me. And then I'll give them the money kind of thing, which I guess to some degree did happen with Solomon program for me, where I played the betas a bunch and then I gave them the money for the final release, which I barely touched. But 
Anyways, I think it'd be good for me to revisit that at some point, just see if what the changes have been made, if there have been any major changes. And I would like to continue to support that part of Konami as well. So anyways, that's it for for that. The sad news and I guess positive news with Bomber Girl, the Konami news hour is over. One thing I do want to talk about, this is not really a news story, but a game I had not heard about is a game called Guns Undarkness. And if you haven't heard about this, this is a game being made by the, uh, I guess, Persona or a composer at Atlas. I think they worked on the Persona series. Uh, I think their name is Shoji Meguto or something like that. And is like a, I don't know if it's like a strategy RPG or if it is a turn-based RPG with just like more dynamic camera angles and positioning for characters. But it's basically like a... Um, RPG shooter kind of thing with guys with guns and stuff. And then like a menu interface, you know, appears when they're behind cover and you can choose, you know, attack skill, all that stuff. So it feels maybe like kind of Valkyria Chronicle ish, but they didn't really show any direct gameplay, just like a trailer with cut footage. So I'm not sure if it is, that's just the presentation of it, or if it is actually a game where you can move around and then like, you know, shoot from different angles and things like that. Um, but it's got like this really cheesy music and it's also an Unreal Engine game, Unreal Engine 4. And it looks like a like Dojin game somebody made, uh, but it looks really cool. I like I like the aesthetic of it a lot. They have not said anything about when it's coming out, um, but I might keep an eye on that. It, there is a Steam listing for it. I don't use Steam much, so I don't know if you can like do something on Steam that tracks a game and like so you can see when it comes out. If I can, I might try to figure that out and like track it just because I will forget about this at some point. But uh, it looks really cool. It's got a really weird aesthetic to it, but it is just kind of like it reminds me a lot of like those low budget, like early 360 PS3 games in terms of aesthetics. But it is definitely like an Unreal Engine looking game. Everyone moves a little wonky and everything, but it is basically an indie game. Um, I was reading the interview with the guy and it sounds like basically he pitched the game to Atlas and then Atlas was like, no, but you can make it if you want to. So he was like, I'm going to go work on this. And I guess he worked on it for a while while he was working at Atlas. And I think he since left Atlas to do this full time, but, um, it's kind of, it just kind of looks neat or whatever. So this week, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're just going to skip the Patreon question for now. Um, we'll revisit it next week. Uh, but speaking of Patreon, um, and I don't have any actual Patreon questions right now, so I don't think I'm going to be skipping over this if you do subscribe to the Patreon. Just I have no real Patreon questions yet, so I'm using that like stock set of questions I'm pulling from. Um, but yeah, so the Patreon finally launched this week, so if you are listening to this, that is officially available. Um, and essentially, I settled on three tiers. Um, the first tier is the kind of like submit a question or or submit a stream game suggestion tier. So it's just a way you can kind of help like drive the content direction when it comes to the weekly content stuff. Um, and so I haven't quite 100% figured out how to request those from people yet. But if somebody joins the Patreon, I'll figure it out real quick because I don't want to like keep that away from somebody who, if they join in. So I'll try to get that in as soon as I can so you can go ahead and ask that question. The second tier is the bonus content tier that's where you get those bonus podcasts those article ratings i was talking about last week and then the third tier is the behind the scenes tier that's the ten dollar tier um and that is uh that has the behind the scenes content there so if you don't know the the patreon launched with a essentially a quote free trial i guess or free sampler pack of the type of content that i plan to do initially here including the bonus podcasts the uh, article readings as well and commentary on on things as well as the behind the scenes uh, 
uh, text that I posted up from various projects I was working on. And I just want you to get an idea of what kind of things are in that Patreon before you actually have to commit. So all those things are freely available. I made a post on the website that notify, like that provides URLs to all those freely available things because as I post more content, it's start gonna get gonna get start getting pushed back on that list on the Patreon. So um, that website listing I have of the Patreon is includes uh, the the free content in there, um, and then everything going forward from here on out uh, will be assumed you know, requires a membership kind of thing that goes on on the Patreon. Everything in terms of the stuff I make for the Patreon, the normal content on the website, this podcast, all that stuff, that will all be free per usual and you don't have to pay a Patreon, um, at least for now. I don't imagine that changing, but, you know, I don't want to define barriers where I, uh, for a future I'm not aware of kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the, the normal, if you if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, everything's going to go as normal for the most part in terms of content. Um, but it is there if you want additional content, um, as well. So Patreon stuff is all there, um, this week. So if you're listening to this on Monday, um, tomorrow, Tuesday, I have a video going up about my approach to game collecting. Um, so that video is basically just talking about how I shop for games and how I kind of keep, uh, positive in the current market and also how I try to like avoid paying super high prices for things as well. Um, this is not like a guide of like, hey, how can I get a cheap copy of Gotcha Force or something like that or Cubivore? It is more of just a like how I approach game purchasing to keep my, my costs low as well as generally, you know, not feel um, demoralized by how high prices get with games. All that fun stuff. And then uh, and then I've got some other content coming up in the next couple of weeks. I won't go too deep into that. So we'll just leave that there. Um, but uh, otherwise, the Parasite Eve stream we started up uh, last week. So I started playing that game. That's a weird game, by the way. I don't know if I like Parasite Eve yet. It's it's a, it's interesting. It's also very striking visually. Uh, but gameplay wise, I'd say it's a little underwhelming in, in, in multiple aspects so far. But we'll see. We'll see how it comes together by the end of it. Um, and, and I think I like especially when it came out, I could definitely see the appeal of it back then as well but anyway so weird game we'll be playing more of it uh this upcoming week here so if you want to tune in uh, i think it's probably going to be about like four ish streams long i heard from somebody it might be longer than that on your first playthrough so maybe it's going to go you know five ish six ish but for now i'm planning on it for being being about four four uh, uh streams as i mentioned earlier at the patreon i'm going to go ahead and start taking like patreon requests for stream games uh d- that does not mean that like every game we stream going forward will be based off the patreon um there'll probably be like some kind of polls that will happen like that takes the games that were requested and we kind of narrow it down from there and there will be times that i personally choose to pick games to put on the stream and that could be stuff that you could influence me by talking to me about stuff as well so feel free to like let me know if you want to play a stream game and i again can't really guarantee it but anything that comes in through the patreon and gets a polling thing unless it like breaks one of the rules i have of me not owning it or uh, it being longer than 25 hours you know i will i will probably prioritize playing that game you know in the near future at least at least within a time frame that makes sense kind of thing so that's coming up. Anyways, thank you so much for your time this week. I appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a great new year. And I hope you enjoy 
uh, all the stuff we have coming up. If you want to know more about what we're doing this year, what I'm doing this year, it's just, just me here. Uh, go check out my my podcast from last week where I talk about 2022. Um, there's a section towards the end where I focus on you know what my plans are for 2022 and what kind of changes I want to make about the channel um, in regards to how it was in 2021 versus what we're doing going forward. So anyways, hope you have a great week. Bye.